Hello, everyone, and welcome on into Deep Left and Unabated Podcast. I'm Thomas Viola, and joining me as always, none other professional sports better himself, Spreadopedia, Jason Weingarten. And Jason, I am in vacation mode right now, but the trade deadline has come to pass. And so for our video listeners, they will, of course, notice I am not in the normal studio here today. We don't have the normal bells and whistles, the uh, theme song, intro, all of that that we normally would on one of these shows. But you know what? We're here. We're having a great time. I am in the great wilderness right now. And for our audio viewers, that explains why some things might not be quite the same on this podcast here. But we are going to get right into it, my friend. How have you been doing? What have you seen on this trade deadline? Because it was quite frankly a little slow compared to some trade deadlines in the past. Yeah, I think in general, trade deadlines get hyped up and, and we expect big names and big trades and they they tend to, to, to be lackluster more often than not. Um, so so this year, I think, was was not particularly an exception. Obviously, the Verlander <clears throat> Verlander trade back to Houston, Scherzer, uh, big news, I guess, is the Mets kind of decided they were they were punting the season and they just didn't get it done. But like, you know, the Dodgers were kind of disappointing. They got Lance Lynn. They didn't close the deal for Eduardo Rodriguez. I saw an article came out today about that. I was going to read that. I haven't had a chance to to read about that yet, why it didn't happen. But uh, that was a surprise to everybody, including the Dodgers, that that deal didn't go through. Um and it's in general, I think I like the uh, the Padres kind of deciding not to quit that, that, you know, that was the right move there. But yeah, in general, just just kind of a lackluster deadline other than the, the pitchers leaving New York and the uh, the AL AL West is it's just like, how do you feel if you're the Angels and you decided not to trade Otani, which was again, that was the wrong decision from yeah. from just a, a management standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 ended up getting nothing from Otani when he likely leaves at the end of the season, and you're still on the outside looking in at the playoffs. Um, wrong wrong decision overall. I understand why they did it, but I'm still gonna say it was a wrong decision. You go out and get Lucas Giolito. He gets shelled in his first two starts. Loses to the Blue Jays. Loses to the Braves. So what'd you just trade him for? You traded for a frontline starter that could beat good teams. Just lost first two games against them. And meanwhile, your your competition, the, the Astros, the Rangers go out, get Verlander, who you know might not necessarily improve their rotation, but he gives them innings. He's familiar with the team, and they're familiar with him, and you know what they're going to get out of him. And then Max Scherzer, who's a competitor, goes to the Rangers. I think there's just no way to look at at the moves the Angels made, and has nothing to say about them depleting their you know farm system. I don't care about that going forward, but. Um, I just think they got outmaneuvered essentially to, to be in the same position they were in now with Lucas Giolito and CJ Crone and uh, what's the other guy they got? Uh, Gritchick. I like Randall Gritchick, but you know, this is still not a team that that's going to be able to compete against good playoff teams in a playoff series. Yeah. They, they, they did nothing that's going to really move them forward. I like the Giolito move from just standpoint. It was a thing that they needed to do, but I, I agree with you. This is a team that should have been sellers, not buyers at the deadline right here. But what do you think of the Astros move going, going and bringing Verlander back? Uh, they, yes, they 
did get rid of two of their best prospects in the process. Don't really care about getting rid of prospects. Like unless, unless you tell me one of those guys wasn't replaceable. Um, mm-hmm. and, and for the most part, almost every prospect that got traded were, were guys I, I'm like, you know, not super excited about or, um, the highlight I thought was the, uh, the Orioles gave up Cesar Prito, who's a, a Cuban shortstop. And, you know, they're just, he didn't have a place to play. He was kind of stuck in, in he's going to be stuck in AAA for a while. So like, I'm interested in the guy like that. I think that was a good pickup but in general. Like, um, yeah, I just didn't think there was anything of, of substance going on with, with a lot of these, these prospects and these moves. Uh, but yeah, the Astros, what, what I think is underrated about the Astros is they get back Jose Altuve and Jordan Alvarez right now. So just adding those guys is almost like, you know, a trade in itself, but Jordan is one of the few needle moving players in baseball. There, there's a guy who can change your lineup, changes the whole construction of everything, makes everybody around him scarier. Um, you get a healthy Jordan and a Kyle Tucker. That's just as good as any, you know, one, two punch in baseball. Um, the Rangers too. I mean, guys, they can keep Corey Seager healthy. He's, he's really one of the better players. We don't, we don't talk enough about. Yeah. What, what do you think of Scherzer versus Verlander who got the better end of the deal between the Rangers and the Astros there? It's hard to say because I, I want to say the Astros because of their familiarity with Verlander and that he was part of, you know, championship teams and he was only gone for half a year and he's coming back and he's been bad this year. Is it old age catching yeah. up with him? Is, is, is his arm just not what it used to be? Was he doing something differently? Was it the pressure of playing in New York? You know, we've seen that before with players. That's a cliche, but, but there's guys who just go to New York, Yankees, Mets, and don't deliver. It's not, not the first duty is also he's almost 40 years old or whatever. So um, could have a lot to do with it. Scherzer is probably the better pitcher at this stage. And, you know, I, I think, I think he gives that rotation. Like he's an anchor um, Verlander. Verlander is an ace in name, but he's, he's joining this team. It's like Framber Valdez just threw a no hitter. Like does he? Does he walk into the room and he's the boss? Like maybe because he's Justin Verlander, but uh, Scherzer is until uh, Degrom is actually healthy, which is always a massive question mark. But Scherzer walks into that room and he's the boss. Everyone listens to him, you know. So I think that's that's kind of important, especially in a playoff series, which which you know you always we get into playoff baseball. A lot of the sort of calculations and game theory is a little bit different as opposed to you know playing the. Uh, I'm trying to think bad team playing the A's on a, on a Tuesday on the road or whatever. So, you know, it's, it's very good to have a guy like that, that you could turn to and know, Hey, we lost game two. Um, but we have Scherzer on the mound in in game yeah. three. And then if you get that healthy, um, you get that healthy DeGrom, you get DeGrom, Nathan Evaldi and Scherzer. And like, Hey, that's a, that's a pretty good rotation. Come, come playoff time. No one's, no one's going to be excited about facing that. It also would be incredibly Mets for DeGrom and Scherzer to go out and win a championship on the Rangers. Yeah, it would. Uh, that would that would be funny. You know, I'm always I'm always here for funny. So um, I'm, I approve of that. And, and, you know, despite. 
almost as much money to people not on their team as they are to people on it. They, I, I kind of like the moves. They got some prospects. As far as a team in a selling spot this year, I don't hate what they did. I think uh, Steve Cohen learned a lesson this year that a lot of new owners learn about free agency and signing players and how it's going to just fix everything immediately. So, you know, getting those prospects back was, was probably fine, but, but overall, like, you know, it, it was an expensive year, an expensive yeah. lesson for, uh, for Steve Cohen to learn. Probably not the first time he's lost, you know, a lot of money on a trade, but, but, you know, he won't do it again. I bet. Now, Jason, were there any big surprises to you at the deadline or was the big surprise just that there wasn't much of a surprise? Yeah, I mean, the surprise, I, actually, I think one of the underrated things is that the Giants, Giants have 60 wins, Dodgers have 61, Braves have 69. Those are the only three teams in the uh, National League that have hit 60 wins so far. The Reds. Reds are at 59, and man, there's talk about schizophrenia. Like, they can't beat the Brewers. They just just can't beat the Brewers, and then they go and take two or three from the Dodgers on the road, um, highlighting, again, the Dodgers' pitching issues. They're relying on so many innings from a, you know, a, a bullpen that's not good and from three rookie pitchers. It's just, like, I, I, I there's a lot of teams this year that are kind of hoping and praying that that everything works out the way it's uh it's supposed to yeah it is going to be interesting to see if the thoughts and prayers technique works for yeah and it's not i mean that's the thing like i just don't think dodgers are gonna end up winning a world series with this rotation um and that's that's the thing though is you start kind of looking through teams and it's like the braves have have a more or less of a complete team that the rangers and the astros have competitive teams and weird to say, but Baltimore is kind of competitive. I mean, 66 wins is second in baseball. Most yeah. in or tied for most, excuse me, in, uh, in the American league. I don't think anyone expected Baltimore to be there this year. You know, I thought they might be a playoff contender. I did not think they would be um, second in baseball and wins and first in the American league, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, you're starting to see playoff picture, wild card teams fade. You can look at say the Mets, everyone from the Mets down, um, you know, Mets, pirates, Cardinals, all, all out, you know, publicly essentially. So leaves you with the Padres, Cubs, D backs, Marlins, Brewers, Phillies, giants, essentially for three spots. Um, I think the Marlins end up on the outside. They're they're still there right now. They're likely going to get over that win total, much to my uh, disappointment. They keep winning one-run games. I don't know if you saw yesterday. They scored in the 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th innings. Oh, man. Um, it's only the second time in baseball history a team has done that. <laughs> but, like, that's just how they're running this year. Um I don't think they get there in the end, though. I think these other teams, Diamondbacks, Brewers, I still think they're all better. Phillies, Phillies and Giants, I think, probably probably two of the, the wild card spots. And wouldn't surprise me if the Brewers-Reds loser ends up in the third. But, uh, yeah, the Cubs, 
Cubs and the Padres, two and a half and four games out right now. Neither one of those teams has uh, decided to quit on the season, which is nice to see. Um, wouldn't surprise me to see the Padres 50, 54 and 55. I think they can uh, make a little bit of run and at least get into the, the picture a little better for the wild card. Now, who do you think has anything changed for you post trade deadline as far as who you think are the actual contenders to win the World Series here? Did anyone make a move that moves the needle? Not a team that necessarily moved the needle, but but like I was just talking about the Padres, it's kind of a big stretch coming up for them here. And I always say this, but it's like, you know, if you look at the schedule, you can always find something important coming up. But but for for the Padres, it's actually this weekend is their season. Um, it's really good. We're talking about this right now. Uh, Padres have a four game series Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday four games versus the Dodgers at home and they're getting Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan, Lance Lynn, and Tony Gonsolin, who's having the worst season of his career right now. Um, and they're throwing Darvish and Snell. There's nobody projected right now for Sunday. I don't know what the plan is there. And then Seth Lugo is projected on Monday, but you have Darvish, you Darvish and Blake Snell, your ace and your sub ace going up against Bobby Miller and Emmett Sheehan at home. Your two best pitchers against two Dodgers rookies at home Friday and Saturday. That's your season. Like if you, you take this series, you're over 500, you're back in the race. You go to Seattle, got this road trip, Seattle, Arizona coming up after that. Like it's time to get back on track. There's enough games left this season to, to make the playoffs. You don't beat the Dodgers this weekend. You're fucking losers. That's that's all there is to it at this point. So, you know, the, the Padres season starts tomorrow. They get an off day today, too, which is actually kind of important because they just spent the week in uh, Colorado. So having that off day coming down from Coors, get the body ready, you know, get yeah. some of that soreness out is pretty important. The Friday game is is going to be uh, kind of a, a big deal. Let's see if we have an opener for that yet. I, I think it might be too early. Yeah, it might be a little too early. We're here at 11.30 on a Thursday right now recording this for some context there that'll uh, tell you about why there's no openers out for the Friday games just yet. But while you're looking at opening lineup, and we can come back to it if there is one. On both the divisional futures, World Series futures markets, as well as some of these awards that may have shifted a little bit. Obviously, the big one in the awards market Otani not moving greatly changes by not changing the equation on MVP there. Well, FanDuel just took the whole market down. They're just like, no more bats, which which is fine. I mean, like, you could post every other player at 100 to 1 and just write some volume on them or whatever. But, like, I I could see why there's no point. Like, you know, I've I've been saying for a while now, I think that the thing with Otani is just that, you know, what hasn't he done to... You know, like, does he need to still do something else to 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 show you that he's the award? Like, it's it's over. It's fine. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't like to to announce awards before it happens, so I won't say he's the MVP because you know you never just want to be in that position. But I understand why they stopped taking bats. Acuna finally went to minus one thousand, and you know the NL MVP Freddie Freeman's made a little bit of a run. He's having a really good season, and you know I call it any other year argument or 
you know, if, if Ronald Acuna didn't exist any other year, Freddie Freeman would be in the running. Same with uh, uh, Acuna's teammate, Matt Olson, who was one of my preseason picks. He had a really hot, uh, really hot spring training was just mashing home runs. Made me think he was an MVP candidate. And he is. He's third in uh, in MVP, like, but but not close. I mean, forty to one versus minus one thousand. It's just not, you know, not happening. But he has eighteen home runs in his last thirty six games. So you know, I was happy I identified at least the, the talent there. But not going to happen. And Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's gone to minus one sixty in the AL Cy Young, which I'm. I understand, but I'm, I'm a little like, like when I see the, the board right now, it's, it's Cole minus 160. I'm using FanDuel. Um, I prefer to use FanDuel with, with uh, the Westgate or Superbook, not, not taking bets on this in the last couple of months. FanDuel tends to be the quickest to mm-hmm. react and move the odds, but like minus 160 on Cole, Luis Castillo and Framber Valdez, both five to one. Gosman pitching tonight. He's six to one. Um, I, I'm sh- I'm a little surprised Luis Castillo is five to one. I'm not surprised Framber is five to one coming off the no hitter, but he's still got some work to do. He had a really bad um he had a really bad July, I think, in his like three July starts or whatever. He had like a seven ERA. So um even with the no hitter, Framber's got some work to do. Otani, 30 to one. And Nathan Evaldi, 75 to one. I got to check on Evaldi's health and everything. I think he got shelled his last start too. But uh, I think Otani's still still alive because of his name, especially he's pitching today. If he goes out and dominates Atlanta, you'll see that 30 to one drop to 20 or 15 or whatever. Um, but it's still uh, work to be done there. And then Felix Batista's a hundred to one. This is sort of where like you separate betting and voting because when I talk about voting, like I'll tell you, Batista's definitely going to be in the top five, probably in the top three right now. He's dominating. He's the best pitcher on sixty-six win Baltimore Orioles. He absolutely deserves to be in the conversation. Do I think he's going to jump to second or first? Like, no, I don't. I, I don't think. In this day and age, I just don't think we we care about relievers. It's kind of like the NFL mm-hmm. where a non-quarterback's not going to get MVP votes. He's just not. I don't care what 2,000 yards, 20, whatever number you make, it just doesn't matter. Um, yeah. But, yeah, keep I, I will keep my eye on Batista at 100 to 1 because I think if any of these other guys blow up, he, he's, like, in the picture. And I always like to have 100 to 1 on something. But uh, I don't understand Garrett Cole. I don't understand why Garrett Cole's minus 160 on the Yankees like I get it he's he's a great pitcher and and Cy Young of all the awards is not you know dependent on winning and going to the playoffs you can win and we've seen guys win on bad teams many times but like the Yankees don't look like a playoff team what are they like I want to say six games let's see okay they're only they're only three and a half games out of the wild card it's not crazy same as the Mariners four they're four games back so um, Angels are four games back. Yankees are three and a half. If the Yankees don't make the playoffs and Felix Batista has one of the best seasons as a relief pitcher on Baltimore team that wins the division, I'm just saying as a voter, I'd have a hard time putting Garrett Cole first and, and not, you know, and not putting Batista on near the top of my ballot, knowing how important Batista was to his team. 
So I, I'm just looking at Garrett Cole. I could see him lose, even though I see his numbers, you know, are really good. And he's a minus 160 favorite. I'm just still, I'm not buying it. I'd, I'd rather have, you know, I'd rather make an argument for anybody else in the AL side yeah. race. Um, NL side, Strider, long as he hits 300. Like, I don't see how you can argue the guy with 300 strikeouts shouldn't win because he has a three and a half ERA or some shit. Like, it reminds me of, of when Nolan Ryan led baseball. It was like 1989 or something. Um, he led baseball in strikeouts. Just just like nasty, nasty numbers. Insane. Like, like not even comparable to the pitchers of today. <clears throat> and uh, he lost the Cy Young to a guy named Steve Bedrosian, who was a relief pitcher. Had like 39 saves or some shit. Uh, we're not doing that anymore. It's not 1989. Strider's not losing with his uh, with his 300 potential strikeouts. So um, that number's dropped from like 10 to one to two and a half. I'm, you know, I, I don't love betting anything at two and a half here, but I might add a little bit more on on Strider as as the you know as the week goes on. Um, and then the rookies of the year stuff. Obviously, Corbin Carroll is. Uh, you know, he's got that basically locked up. Like same same argument for Otani. What it, it was gonna be done? interesting when that shoulder was bothering him, but it just didn't end up being anything. Yeah, I mean he had that, you know, that that brief minute where it looked like he might end up on the injured list. And even that's the thing, is it's now that we've gotten into August, if he ends up on the injured list right now, I don't think anyone beats him. Like I don't think you don't give him rookie of the year if he if he ends the season on the injured list, which you know, not even to say anything about Ellie De La Cruz, who's who's been amazing. Um, his numbers aren't anywhere close to to being a rookie of the year. But Francisco Alvarez, who's you know going to hit thirty home runs, and as a catcher, as a rookie, you know he's basically putting up like Johnny Bench numbers, and he's not even getting any consideration. That's how good Corbin Carroll is. So you know, congratulations to him. He, he's you know going to cost me some money, but doing awesome. What I think the most interesting race is the American League Rookie of the Year because Josh Young, you know, he's a third baseman in Texas, starts the All-Star game. He has 20-something home runs. Looked to be running away with it for a minute. Um, was never my pick. Was the guy, the guy I've been fading this whole time. All of a sudden, he's plus 270. Masataki Yoshida on the Red Sox is plus 180. And Gunnar Henderson, the 22-year-old third baseman shortstop, on the uh, now first place Baltimore Orioles or tied for first place Baltimore Orioles is plus 140. So uh, finally, the guy who was was my favorite in the preseason, I bet him around five to one, is a much lower favorite. He's plus 140. Um, I don't think this race is anywhere close to done yet. I, I, I I'm pretty confident that Josh Young isn't going to win. Um. But yeah, I don't know. Um, and that's say all that's to say nothing about Tristan Casas, the first baseman on the Red Sox, who's been on fire since uh, since the All Star break. It's it's hard to even say that that he's not better than Mas Takiyoshida. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know who's gonna win. But I think it's like a, a three and a half way race right now with with Henderson, Henderson you know, leading Yoshida slightly, and then uh, Young and Casas both still there. So a lot going on. I'm, pretty excited about a couple of my positions looks like i have some dead stuff um but yeah there's a lot going on with baseball right now it's you know i know football football season starts tonight and we get the hall of fame game but the, the baseball season doesn't end right now 
Yeah, there's still plenty more baseball to be played. We've got the race to October going on. It's going to be exciting to see how some of this wraps up. Like you said, a couple of these awards markets are already done and dusted pretty much. But, like, again, still plenty of baseball to play for. Still a lot to see as far as who is going to even make it to the playoffs. We're jockeying for a bunch of spots right now. There is plenty of drama still to go. But, Jason, you said it. football starts tonight. I am excited for it. I'm excited to go out and see the Jets, even if it is all second stringers and Zach Wilson, but I'm excited to have football back nonetheless. And at Unabated, we're excited for the same thing because we have so many awesome tools coming at you for both the college and NFL seasons. So go on, check out unabated.com today. Get yourself signed up for a trial if you're not already a member. We've got the season simulators ready to go for you to start grabbing some of these futures numbers. We've got so much more coming your way. We've got a ton of exciting stuff coming out for college football over the next week or so. Stay tuned for more on that. But for now, Jason, that is going to do it for us. Once again, you can follow Jason on Twitter at Spreadopedia. Follow us at Unabated Sports. And as always, check out the Unabated Discord in the link in the description of this video. Join one of the best communities in betting. It's a fantastic way to help yourself get sharper. We've got so many great people in there ready to help out anyone and everyone with questions, including our own Captain Jack, who lives in there about 25 hours a day. But for now, that is going to do it for us. I don't know if they'll let me put this headset on again, but if I make it back from this vacation, Jason, I will see you next week. Best of luck, everybody. And as always, let's cash those tickets.